Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. What's up, Anthony? Just enjoying this uh, up and down roller coaster of a season uh, from the Heat. It's been totally like unpredictable, and we don't know what to expect from game to game. Sometimes they look like the one of the best teams in the East. Sometimes they look like one of the worst teams in the league. So uh, it's just just continues for another week. Well, here's my question. Are you actually enjoying it? Um, No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's just I feel like when you're covering a team, you want to be able to have, you know, have the pulse of the team and be able to explain certain things and put your finger on different reasons why things are happening. And so much of this heat season is like so confounding and unexplainable that um, it makes it a little frustrating because you're left kind of like, why is this going on? Like this should not be happening. So I, I would say that's why I would, that's why I'm, that's why I say I'm not enjoying it because it's, it's that aspect of it makes it tough. Yeah, as uh, as journalists, we are looking for lazy narratives to just keep yes. pounding into the ground, right? And there's no – the narrative this year is that there's no uh, consistency. And it, it makes it hard to – like, like from the simplest standpoint, it makes it hard to write about, to talk about. It makes it hard – you know, we've, t- we've joked about it the last couple of weeks here that, um, you know, the Heat will have, like, the worst – weekend of all time and then they'll follow it up with like two wins Monday and Tuesday and um we end up coming on this podcast and like the narrative has totally shifted in a couple of days and and it's just so happened that we've had to record a couple in a row here before they play on Wednesday night and it's like we're going to record right now it's a Wednesday morning um they play tonight uh, against the Spurs and it's possible that the story around this team could be something entirely different uh, 24 hours from now when most people are listening to it. Yeah, I think Jimmy Butler said it best earlier this week, or last week actually. Um, all, all the days are running together. Kind of he, said, like he said it a couple times in the last few weeks, basically, right? Yeah, he said the only consistent, like basically they're consistently inconsistent, and that's the perfect way to put it. Like that's been the only consistent aspect of this season. Along with Jimmy Butler just being really, really good, um, yeah. the other consistent aspect has been this team is just con- inconsistent. That's what they are, so... Um, yeah, it, it's definitely you know it, it makes covering the team tough because it's it's hard to exp- it's hard to predict what's going to happen a and b it's hard to really explain what's going on. I was going to save this for later. Uh, I thought I had, but uh, it kind of fits here. Um, obviously, we are not in the locker rooms at all this year. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for us to get you know you're talking to people through Zoom. It's you know, we kind of know people's personalities, so I think it, it helps to, you know, that helps. But for the most part, it's very hard to know how these guys are actually feeling right now, I think. I mean, Jimmy's pretty, he's a pretty blunt guy, but I think we learned so much last season. I, I happen to be talking about this with some other, like uh, at a Panthers game the other day, just talking about it with some other journalists around here, how fun that locker room was to be in last year. And I think it, that person at, like, being in that locker room last year, it wasn't a surprise that they kind of pulled it together and made a finals run. Um, you know, you saw the way, obviously, Jimmy and Bam loved each other and uh, Jimmy's affection for Tyler Hero. Like, it was no surprise then when, when Hero had that 37-point game in the playoffs. You you saw, like, everyone was kind of, like, joking with Duncan about how he just needs to keep shooting. You could obviously see his confidence, like, was kind of sky high throughout last season. 
And, well, first of all, with COVID, who knows how much those interactions are even possible for them now. But we have no idea if that locker room personality dynamic that was such a distinct part of, of last season. Think of how many viral tweets Brendan Tobin had of just, like, tweeting out Bam and Jimmy, like, yelling at each other from across the locker room. We have no idea if that dynamics even is anywhere near the same this year. And I think being in there would give us a much better sense of how this team is, is feeling right now. And clearly they're frustrated now, but, but really how frustrated they are. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's something fans don't realize that it, it's – I don't even know if it's something fans care about. Which they don't care about. They don't care about. They don't realize. It's just it, – it, yeah, the fact that we're not around the team makes it very tough to really get a read on anything. You know, yeah, the chemistry was such a big part of last season. Like, normally I kind of think some of that stuff is overrated, but, like, yeah. the chemistry was such a big part of last season, obviously. You can see it in the way they played. Yeah, and it, it can't be the same. I mean, I, obviously we're not in there, like you said, so it's hard to know for sure, but it, I just I would have to imagine it can't be the same. When, when you're not having the same level of success and you're going through, if we're frustrated <laughs> by covering this team, like, imagine them, you know. So winning helps a lot, and it makes the mood a lot better. Last year they went through very few rough patches. The rough patch they really went through was like that was right when the season was suspended, so yeah. we really didn't. They really didn't get to endure it. Um, yeah, that was the year, first loss of the season, arguably the night the season got suspended. Yeah, it basically, like didn't even happen. Yeah, <laughs> technically, like technically it did, but really, like it really didn't even happen. Um, so this season, just because of how up and down it's been, and you know they've underachieved. I mean, up until this point, I think it's obvious that they've underachieved. Um, the, yeah, the, that chemistry, that mood in the locker room, it, it just can't. There's no way it can be the same as last season. Yeah, and I, I think that goes like the really the interaction I really wonder about. Um, because you know Jimmy and Bam, you know I think Jimmy had a decent amount to do with Bam's growth last season, but ultimately Bam is like by the end of the year, you know he was as much a like co-leader in that locker room. It seemed like as Jimmy basically. Um, you know, Jimmy still got Dwayne Wade's old lockers, but so that means something. But who uh, knows anymore? We don't even know. We don't even yeah, know where the lockers are. Well, we basically, you know, I, I we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Like, if you told me that Jimmy and Bam were both going to have the kind of seasons they're having, which are both for both of them a real step up from last season. Obviously, Jimmy missing time throws it off a little bit, but just looking at those like averages and shooting percentages and all that stuff, like. If you told me that they were going to do that and the Heat were going to be not just worse than last year, but significantly worse than last year, like, it would have made no sense. Um, and we've talked about all the reasons why, you know, Duncan coming back down to, slightly to earth, coming back from being, like, the greatest shooter of all time to just being the, the third best shooter in the league or something like that. Um, yeah, obviously, Goron's injuries. Um, you know, there, there's a couple – Pieces that I, I think the Heat obviously have probably missed more than uh, they anticipated. Uh, but, I mean, the ba- the biggest – I mean, if you just had to point to one guy, it's not fair because so many guys have been struggling. But the Tyler Hero piece of it, going from being – you know, he was a – well, I think he led the team in fourth quarter minutes last year, right? Like, he was a crunch – legit crunch time scorer for them who won multiple games for them uh, with his difficult shot making – in the fourth quarter, and obviously he was an important part of the team. He was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league last year. Um, he was a huge part of that. The fact that he has just been, you know, he has had his sophomore slump, and it's been worse than I think even, like, the most pessimistic projections would have uh, had for him. 
that's been so much of it. It's, you know, the supporting cast as a whole regressing, obviously, is part of it. But the Tyler Hero piece of it, and he was a guy who, being in the locker room last year, you, like I said, you saw how much Jimmy loved him, how how much those guys had so much confidence in him, loved his work ethic, all that kind of stuff. Like, really, we're treating him like he was a rising superstar in this league. Um, and, you know, um, how, you know, Jimmy, obviously, as everyone knows, is a can be a, uh, a difficult personality for, for certain types of people. Obviously, Tyler Hero loved that in year one. I'm really curious what that dynamic is like in year two with, you know, Tyler having such a rough sophomore season. Yeah, and and to your point about Tyler, he, he's still leading the team in fourth quarter yeah. minutes per game. Um, it's just the production just hasn't been the same, you know, and, and he's had his stretches where you see the flashes of potential. Like th- that potential still there, and I think people have to realize he's still only 21. I don't know if we really expected just too much after what he did in the bubble, um, but there's no doubt about it that, you know, shooting-wise, like he's gotten actually better as a finisher on the basket in the yeah. mid-range. He's actually pretty good. But it's just his three-point shot just hasn't been there for him this season. He shot 39% on threes last season. This year, he's shooting 34.4%. Like, that's a 5%, basically. That, that's a big drop-off. So He's actually taken um, a big step forward in these last, like, couple of weeks, right? That was even lower, I think, like two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it was. I think it was, like, closer to 32. 30. 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, he's actually, since the trade deadline, he's actually shot better. Um, so, and, and he's also dealt with his... His, fair, his, his share of injuries this season, yeah. um, whether it's the neck or um, the foot, you know, the foot is the latest thing. So, you know, injuries have also caught, you know, got him and messed up his rhythm, I would say. But, you know, I, it's interesting. Like, he's had an interesting year because he started out as a starting point guard. Um, you know, the experiment did not last very long. It did not last long. He hasn't started a game since, I would say, early February um, when he was moved to the bench. Mm-hmm. Um and he's played better off the bench, and I think he's better as an aggressive scorer, you know, in that role rather than trying to play the role facilitator as a starter next to Bam and Jimmy. Um, but you know, if this if he's going to be what this team expects him to be, he's going to have to be a starter. So yeah. I'm really curious next season, especially after where this year has gone for him, if the Heat try again to make him a starter, or if they say, look, we're going to start off the bench and we'll see how the year goes. But yeah, this this year has not gone exactly you know, how Tyler probably planned it to. Um, but, you know, it's important to remember, again, that he's 21. So, and he has he has the skill set. He's missing yeah, open I'm, threes. I'm not, I'm not like, panicking about Tyler yeah. Groh's future. Um, you know, is he ever going to be the guy he looked like when he was at his absolute best in the bubble? Like, probably not. He would be, like, the greatest player of all time if that happened. Right. Like, he's going to be a guy who can have those highs and – you know, could he still be an all-star? Certainly, uh, especially in the East. But, you know, he's played a lot of games. Like, for a rookie, he's played a ton of games in the last uh, 18 months or whatever. Like, I think part of it is probably hitting a wall. Part of it is, you know, league adjusting to him, all that kind of stuff. Um, part of it is just shots not falling, right? And actually, like, that was always kind of the thing we heard. Everyone expected him to be the sharpshooter coming in, Um and he always, like, would kind of say he wasn't. If you look at the numbers at Kentucky, it's not like he, like, was, like, Joe Harris or something. Like, he was a uh, all-around scorer more than just a spot-up shooter. And um, obviously he did not have much of an offseason after this. I think we 
I think people expected maybe a, a leap from year one to year two when really his year one to year two leap happened uh, between the suspension uh, of the regular season and the bubble. Obviously, you didn't bank on like hard regression coming into year two, but um, I'm not panicking about his long-term prospects yet, um, but it's been him and the entire supporting cast just not being as good as they were last year when they were incredible. Uh, that's like the single biggest difference right between last year and this year. Yeah, I would say, I was looking at the numbers before we started recording, the biggest, and it is, it is obvious, I guess, to probably people who watch this team, but the biggest difference between last season and this year is definitely the three-point shooting. The three-point shooting. I mean, yeah, there's the just whole, no doubt. It's a whole story in a lot of ways. Like, it's, it's kind of foolish to come on here and, to, like, try to diagnose this when it, it is the giant answer is staring us right in the face. And obviously there's different reasons for why the right. three-point shooting is not as good. But if that three-point shooting, what, what's the three-point shooting number right now? Um, they're at 34.8%, fifth worst percentage in the NBA. And what were they last year, like 38 or something, 37? 37.9 and yeah. second best deep one percentage. If they were just shooting that well again, even if they were shooting 36, they would be solidly in the playoffs probably. Look, this team, like one of the biggest indicators of whether this team's going to win or not from a game-to-game basis is their three-point shooting. Um, and that's for most teams, but I would for say for more – like. It affects the heat more than others. Like I saw, I feel I forget who it was. Someone on Twitter had um, kind of the variance of each team when they hit a certain amount of threes, and the Heat were not at the top of the list, but near the top of the list. That you know, three point shooting really, really kind of impacts the outcome of a lot of their games um, more than more than most teams around the league. And you know, I was looking at the numbers, and they're thirteen and four and making fifteen or more threes this season. They're 19 and 26 when hitting fewer than 15 threes. Obviously, that's an arbitrary number, but it just shows you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, when this team is shooting well, like it was shooting well for most of last season, they're an elite team. When they're not shooting, when they're shooting, you know, just a little bit below average, they're they're sub 500 team. And unfortunately for the Heat this season, they've shot below average for most of the year, and that's why you know they are where they're at right now. So, um, it, you know it. It's it's hard to really explain that big drop off. I mean, you could point to guys just missing open shots, guys um, regressing to the mean. I guess you could say, you know, Duncan was shooting lights out and he's still shooting really well, but you know, he's not shooting all time great well. So yeah, it's hard to keep up forty four percent on like his volume yeah. or where he was at last year. Right, he's at forty. I think he's like around forty percent at eight attempts. Like that's. Yeah, I think I think among guys shooting forty percent, he has second the second most made threes in the league behind Seth Curry. So like he's still in extremely yeah. good company. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Curry, Levine, and then Duncan, which is very good company. Yeah. Um, and you know I was looking at other numbers, you know, of, of the offense, and it's almost exactly the same as last year when he had a top ten offense. Um, they, they're shooting six. They're, uh, this season they're shooting sixty eight percent on twenty four. Attempts from inside the restricted area last year, they actually shot worse, um, 67% on 24.9 field attempts last season. So they're actually shooting better from you know around the basket this season. Non-restricted area pain shots this season they're shooting 41.5% on 13 attempts last season, 41% on 13 attempts. So almost exactly the same. Uh, mid-range they're actually shooting better this season from there as well, 39% on 10 10 mid-range shots per game this season compared to. 36.7% on 11 mid-range attempts last season. So 
they're actually shooting better from other areas of the court, more efficiently. But they're, they're three-point – they've had so much of a regression, you know, with their three-point shooters that it's affected uh, and really kind of overshadowed those improvements. Yeah. Well, the, um, the interesting thing about those numbers you're pointing out is not just the percentages, but the shot distribution is, like, it's the same, yeah. identical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, they're – not much has changed. Like, I, I know people want to blame Eric Spolstra for a lot of the different things, and that's always the easy thing to do to blame the coach when a team is underachieving. But they are – their offense, the shots, like, it's pretty much the same as last year. It, they're just not going in at the same rate, you know, when it comes to three-pointers. But the shot distribution, like you said, is very, very close to identical. They're better as a team, you know, a fit more efficient around the basket, more efficient in the mid-range. But – They've, they're just not as good of a three-point shooting team. And a lot of that is, I think we've spoken this about spoken about this in the past, David, above the break threes, they hate you a lot of those. Yeah, um, right. They don't generate a lot of corner threes. Yeah, even, last, they were, even last year when they were like this great three-point shooting team, they were not, it was, it's not like they were the Rockets. Like right. they were taking them from, they were taking tough shots. And, and I've noticed they've, they've tried to generate more of Trevor Reza on the team because he's such a good corner three-point yep. shooter. Uh, but before he got here, yeah, you're right. Like, they didn't really take too many corner threes. Um, last year, they were shooting thir- a league-best 38.2% on 26.4 above the break threes per game. This year, that's numbers 35% on 26.8. So almost identical attempts. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, it's a pretty big dip, three percentage points um, when you look at it from year to year. So it's... It's boring, I would say, for fans like that to just point to three point shooting, but that's really the truth. Like that is has been the biggest difference this year. It is, as they say, a make or miss league. Yeah, I mean, again, and like you said, there are reasons for that. I would say, right. but there are games where I mean, we've watched a lot of games this year where you're like, how are they missing these shots? They're open, you know, um, that they would have made last year. Like they've missed a lot of open shots this year, where it's just really hard to explain why they are, why they're why they're not going in because. They're, you know, Duncan is a really good shooter. Tyler should be a good shooter. Goran has proven over his long career that he's a quality shooter. So um, it's not like you have a bunch of subpar shooters taking these shots. Um, so I think that's what makes it even more confounding. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you obviously – yeah, I, I think it – it starts with just a little dip from Duncan because of how good he was last year in the volume. That, that make, does make a pretty big difference, even yes. though I think it's really hard to point to him as, like, the problem when he's shooting 40% from three on, on the number of attempts he is at right now. Um, yeah, then I think you, you look to Hero. You, I mean, I think you also have to, you know, Kelly Olenek is gone now. Myers Leonard is gone now. But those guys were really good three-point shooters last year. Um Percentage-wise, you know, the attempts obviously kind of varied from game to game with them, um, and was never quite the volume that like Hero or, or Duncan or you know even like Goran or Kendrick Nunn, depending on who was kind of playing point guard on a given night was. But that makes a difference. You know that they were stretching the floor at three or four spots uh, pretty much any time they were on the floor. They just don't have that like depth of three-point shooting that they did uh, last season in the same way. And it becomes, I've said it a bunch of times, it's a a delicate situation when your two best shooters or your two best offensive players are still basically non-shooters. You know, Bam obviously has got the mid-range, Jimmy's got the mid-range, but, you know, 
Damian Lillard or Steph Curry or James Harden or Kevin Durant or, you know, Joel Embiid, like, can swing a game by just deciding, all right, I'm going to hit three threes in a row here. And, um, you know, no offense to Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, but, like, they're not that level of scorer. They're not, you know, Duncan obviously does not create his own shot. It's a, it's a difficult job to get him his looks. You know, they're good at it. They've got you know, these plays that get him tough looks, but they're still tough looks. He makes a lot of them, but it's hard for him to get shots like that. Um, you know, Tyler Hero just not hitting those threes. You know, he's always he's kind of always been a tough shot maker, but does not do it at the same level as, as a lot of these superstar guys. And then, you know, Jimmy and Bam, like I've, I've said a lot, it's a three-point league now. It's not like a novel observation, but – um, the Heat had such a perfect, uh, like, symbiotic relationship between their two forwards and then all their sh- the shooters they put around them that it's delicate. It's, you know, they, the Heat, more than a, a team that typically makes the finals uh, or has the kind of season the Heat did last year, relied on role players and secondary and tertiary scorers um, a lot more than, than the typical finals team. You know, they, in some ways they were almost built like, you know, you look at the Jazz this year or the Hawks in the past where, where you needed six guys to be great on a given night to win. Uh, and for the, most, the the thing that worked for the Heat so well last year is they had nine guys, basically, and, and you could have a couple of guys have off nights. They just do not have that depth right now. And obviously um, the, those four through six guys, if you want to still, still count Goran as, as number three, with the injuries, obviously, is kind of like the excuse there, and injuries obviously are another boring thing to talk about, but you got to. Um, those guys are just not on the level they were last year when they were playing out of their minds. Like, and you know, a lot of teams you could lose a bunch of those guys, but you have your superstars that can carry the offense. Jimmy and Bam are such unique star players that uh, they just can't do that in the same way. I think as you look at some of these other teams that are really reliant on one or two or three stars. Yeah, and I would argue that Jimmy's been a lot better than last regular season. Oh, yeah, he's been significantly. I think Bam has also been better than he was last year, uh, but the leap from Jimmy is, like, pretty substantial. Yeah, he's shooting close to 50% from the field. Like, yeah. he's been incredible. And, I and you know, to your point, David, there about the depth and kind of not maybe having the same play from the supporting cast. Last year, the Heat, you know, they weren't, obviously they weren't a good team when Jimmy wasn't on the court, but they pretty much played teams even. They were able to survive yeah. those minutes. I mean, the moment we knew this team could be really good was like game three when they beat the Bucks without Jimmy. Without Jimmy, right. They they have not been able to survive the non-Jimmy minutes this year. Like, it, that has been a consistent theme. Um, you know, when Jimmy's on the court, they're very good. When they're off the court, they're being outscored by teams by 6.4 points per 100 possessions, which is like, if you would compare that to teams around the league, you know, over the course of the season, that's one of the worst teams in the league. So they have not, like last year, they were able to survive, just survive those minutes, those 12 to 15 minutes he didn't play per game. Um, this year, they really struggled uh, when he hasn't been on the court. And I think that's also played a big a big part in kind of the, the step back this team has taken this year. Yeah. The... Um... 
the Jimmy Bam Goron minutes have all but still been good, right? Like those those numbers still all I don't know how they compare to what they were last year in the postseason, but like it is the injury thing is like I know we said if they were shooting three percent better from three, they would probably be solidly in the playoffs. But obviously also if Jimmy just doesn't miss those twelve games, was that what it was? Ten games with uh in COVID protocols, yeah. like they're also still solidly a playoff team. Yeah. And and you know, for there's ten games left. They could still avoid the plane and finish fifth. You know, they, okay, I mean, that's, that's the possibility. Sixth right now, as we speak. Yeah. In seventh, basically, I guess on some tiebreaker. Right. And, and yes, and and you know about that lineup, they haven't played many minutes together. Eighty-seven minutes all yeah. season, which is not a lot. When probably those are your four best players, I would say, right? Uh, I you know theoretically, those are your four best players and four most impactful players uh, this season. Um, or supposed to be Duncan, Duncan being the fourth. Duncan being the fourth. So you can, I guess, you can flip out Duncan for Tyler. But those are pretty much that's your four. That's your core four. That could be your core yeah. four. They're plus thirty eight in eighty seven minutes, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, but they just haven't played too many minutes. I mean, Goran's been in and out. Jimmy's missed. I don't know, fourteen, fifteen games around there. Bam's even missed a handful of games. Duncan has been the one guy who I don't think he's missed any time um, at all. Um, but you know, they, they just haven't been able to to really consistently be on the court together, and that's, like I said, that, that's not uh, a sexy thing to point to. Again, injuries and just different issues, protocols and, and all that, but it is a it is a, a real explanation for, for for part of what's going on. Yeah, they're, they went, what, 2-10 and 10 in that stretch without Jimmy? Like, that, that's, that had them playing catch-up from pretty early on, and, you know, they kind of caught up, and now they've stagnated here again. Like, like you keep you you mentioned that we've seen the highs from the team. I mean, not that long ago that we were talking about this team, like getting it back on track. They won like nine of ten at one point. Like, there is still that. Uh, there's there's some of that bubble team left in here. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of time to just find it before uh, the season's over. Yeah, and and you're not going to win every game, but it's these losses to right the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, yeah, a shorthanded Hawks team that doesn't have Trey Young or Clint Capella. You know, when when you really need to, if you win that game, all of a sudden the Heat probably are in fifth. The Bulls right now. without Zach Levine. The Bulls without like. Zach. Yeah, you. you I, and I know the Heat. The Heat were they were very shorthanded that game too. I mean, they were missing basically four or five rotation players if you include Duncan on the list. You know, with Victor, Kendrick, Tyler, yeah. Andre, and then Duncan didn't play in the second half, and he wasn't himself in the first half. So they were missing a, a pretty big chunk of their rotation. But you still have Jimmy and Bam, and you're facing a Bulls team that. Doesn't have their best player, um, and you're 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 at home. You got to win that game, especially at this point of the season when you're trying to fight for playoff positioning and to avoid that play. And you you just can't lose that that game. Um, it's those losses that are really discouraging because you know that that heat, this Heat team is better than those teams, and um, they just can't be losing a game to an inferior opponent. You know, with with those stakes attached to it. Yeah, uh, we we never kind of introed what we were going to talk about today, but uh, I'm we are obviously talking about all the uh, all the myriad reasons that this heat I think it's pretty obvious having issues. Um, we've kind of run through the two big ones, but I was going to just like ask you at the top to list off a couple others. Do you have anything else that, that we have not spotlit here that really has stood out to you about why this season has been so different? Um, well, I know Jay Crowder wasn't here. For most of the year, most, last season. Yeah. But when he yeah, was here, I think when most people are thinking, 
when most people are comparing this team, they're doing it to the bubble team, even yeah. though that's, you know, I, I think people forgot how fun this team was basically from November to through the middle of January or whatever last year too. Right, but this they were still a lot different. Then this team is a lot different than even that team that was in like fourth place in the East. Right, fourth or fifth place in the East for most of the year. Yeah, I, I think Jay Crowder's one. You know, they they really miss his production, and he was shooting like forty percent on threes even the regular season in the yeah. in the in the small amount of games he played for the Heat after the trade before the season was suspended. He he was shooting really well, um, and Trevor Reza has been able to give them some of that, and I think he's actually been better than people give him credit for, especially defensively. He's been really, really good, and I would not be surprised if he wants to play, you know, another year if the Heat bring him back just because he, mm-hmm. he does fill that role. Um, and then I would also point to, um, and you see it going, you, you see it happening with teams around the league, like that made a deep playoff run last season. This short offseason was brutal, yeah. and especially when you enter a season like this where the schedule is so busy and compacted and there's, you know, eight games in 12 days and you had a month and a half off season because you played until, you know, you made it to the finals. Look at the Lakers, you know, they're the fifth seed in the West right now. And, you know, yeah. So, you know, again, it's not, I know the Heat aren't going to make excuses and they're not, that's not what they do, but I think it's a real thing. I mean, you look at the teams that didn't make the bubble last season or were early, you know, had early exits, whether it's Phoenix, I know they improved Chris Paul, obviously, but they're playing really well. Utah was limited in the first round. Oh, I mean, look at the Knicks, the Hawks, the the Wizards, like literally half of the 10 teams that are currently in play-in position, and even, you know, add the Bulls. Well, I guess the Wizards were in the bubble, but I had that early exit. Um, But, yeah, it's it's teams that had a full offseason, like a real offseason. Yeah, (laughs) and I think that that really impacted Goron, I would say. Yeah. Because he... He was rehabbing pretty much the entire whatever one month of offseason he had because of the foot injury he suffered in the finals. Um, he really didn't get to have an offseason. He was just rehabbing. Um, and at that age, I don't know, you know, that, that probably impacts him more than most. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen it. Like, he just hasn't been the same explosive player this season that we saw just, you know, seven months ago in, in the playoffs. Like, it wasn't that long ago. It feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago that Goran was – Playing at an all-star level, yeah. um, and and you know they just haven't had that 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 same Goran Dragic on the court. Um, one, one other thing I want to point to is not a difference from last season, but I think it's interesting. Do you think, David? I'm going to ask you. Do you think this the Heat's defense this season is better than last year? Um, statistically, it has been right. Statistically, it's actually not as good. Oh, really? Um, their defensive when it goes when it comes to defensive so regular rating, season or compared to the playoffs regular season okay they have a one one hundred nine they're allowing one hundred nine point eight points per hundred possessions this season uh-huh. and compared to one hundred nine point three points per hundred possessions last season gotcha. they were ranked twelve they're better compared to league average I guess right they're better compared to league average and some of that is because just offenses are scoring more this year yeah um, so that's why they have a higher ranking in that category but I thought that was interesting because yeah. So much of the talk was last year defense. They're just not a good defensive team. They're mediocre defensively, and they actually statistically, just pure you know pure numbers, they were a better defense last season um, by a little bit, but mm-hmm. they were a little better um, than this year. But you know, it just seems it just feels like this season they've been so much better. Yeah. Uh, because you compare it to you know other teams in the league, but it, it's pretty close to what they did last season. 
Yeah. Uh, one one last point. I think it goes into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. But you just look through the number of games played for guys this year. Like, Backstreet's 33. Gabe Vincent, 43 yeah. games played. Uh, KZ, 31 games played. Um, like, those guys are just straight up not in the rotation on last year's team. And they've been, you know, they're, they're in and out. A lot, a lot of it, their playing time is because of injuries. But, like, it, it's as simple as that sometimes. This team just not as good as they were last year, which I know the, the kind of big picture thought we have here is they're so similar to last year, but in so many ways, um, especially with the injuries and COVID protocols and all, all that kind of stuff, in so many ways they're, they're not. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we don't know yet what this team could be with Victor Oladipo. I'm not saying it can be a championship yeah. contender. But we really never, you know, we saw a handful of games maybe, if that, before he, he hurt his right knee. Um, so it's it's hard to say what this team would be. I mean, they basically traded. Now looking back at it, I'm not saying it's a bad deal. You know, I, I think I still would they do the deal. Kelly the but they traded Kelly Olenek for nothing. Yeah, and, and Avery Bradley. I mean, Avery Bradley's playing right now for the Houston Rockets. Like, he would have been playing. Um, they traded him for nothing. So... You know, that's, that's tough. That's tough when you look at it like that. And, you know, I, I know they haven't ruled out Victor for the rest of the season yet, but, man, time is running out. He's already ruled out yeah. for tonight's game against the Spurs, and then after that there are nine games left. Um, there's just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know when, if he's going to come back. It has to be, I would think, in the next week or so. Um, but there's been no indication or no update on his status. Yeah, it's a deal you make every time because it's not like this team, in all likelihood this team wasn't going anywhere without him. Um, yeah. And your best chance to do something this year was get him, get him healthy, get him playing, get him playing well. And that so much of the rest of this season hinges on that. I guess that it's a pretty good place to finish is, I guess, a ten, uh, they played a night. It'll be nine games left after tonight, I think. Yeah, yeah. 32 and 30. Ten games left right now. Uh, as we speak, they're tied with the Celtics for sixth in the East. Uh, two games back of the Hawks, two games back of the Knicks, um, a game and a half ahead of the Hornets, two and a half ahead of the Pacers. Where do you see this team finishing right now, and can they go back into bubble mode at any point? Can, you know, there, There's obviously a lot of talk of, oh, could the Heat be this tough first-round matchup for you know the Bucks, Sixers, or Nets? if that's where they wind up in the standings, do you buy into that as the Heat, as a team that can, if they're in that six through ten, can win a round in the playoffs against one of those three teams? I definitely wouldn't pick them against one of those three teams at this point. What do you um, think the Bucks would think if they were, had to play the Heat in the first round? I mean, yeah, that would be interesting. And, you know, obviously, like, just if you just put this team in a vacuum just for this season, I would say – no, the Heat aren't a scary matchup for any of these teams. Like it's a it's a, been a 500 team for most of the year. They've been up and down. There's no, there's no consistency. Um, so by the way, that's why that, you do not want to be in the playoff team. If the defining characteristic of this team is uh, their inconsistency, you do not want to be in a, in a one and done type situation. In a yeah, playoff. no, for sure. You don't want to you don't want to subject yourself to that. And um, and and they've had one of the worst offenses in the NBA. Um, this this entire season, so I, I would say I, they're not a scary matchup when you look at it like that. But then you think about well, this most of this team was part of the roster that made the finals last season, and you know we've seen the upside of this team when when they're playing well and they're shooting well. Um, 
we, we've seen the, kind of the ceiling, I guess, for, for most of this roster, that it could be really good and one of the better teams in the East. And in that respect, I would say, yeah, if you're a one or two seed, you don't want to be facing the Heat in the first round because, I mean, you never know when they'll tap into that. Um, they haven't really shown it yet this year, but, you know, it's not to say that it can happen in the next few weeks, I guess, or Victor comes back and all of a sudden they hit another level. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I would rather face an, a young and experienced team if I'm one of those teams but rather than the Heat, which have the experience, which have, you know, really two all-stars who led the team, who led a team to the finals last season. Um, but I, I would still pick those teams over Miami, definitely, um, in the first round if Miami faces, you know, the Bucks, Philly, or Brooklyn. Yeah, it is kind of – you've mentioned that this team is, like, elite when Jimmy is on the court, basically, and terrible when he's not. It will make a big difference come playoff time when his minutes per game tick up from uh, – what are they right now? Like 33-ish, I think, to, like, 40, basically, right? Like, once the playoffs start, like – that's a huge – that alone is a, a huge swing of, you know, obviously this, this team has lost a lot of close games. Um, you know, it's a much diff, you know, it's much different to lose close games to, like, crappy Bulls teams compared to, like, good Bucks teams. But, like, it will make a difference even against a team as good as the Bucks or the Sixers or whatever. Like, I, I think – I don't think anyone's going to go into that series expecting the Heat to get swept, right? Which is usually, like, kind of the expectation in, like, a 2-7, even a 3-6 matchup in the East sometimes. I still think there's a chance that he could avoid the play-in just because. Um, yeah, I mean, like yeah, I said, they're tied for sixth right now. Like they're basically out of the play. Like you know, they they win the majority of their games the rest of the way here. Like yeah. you have the faith in the, you have faith in the Celtics to do that? Not really. Like they're in pretty good shape to to avoid the play-in. Obviously, I don't think we expected to be talking about avoiding the play-in when this season began, but they are in good shape to stay out of that. Out of that round. Yeah, and, and I would even point I, – I still think the Celtics might finish ahead of the Heat just because, you know, the Heat faced the Celtics and both games are in Boston later this yeah. – like the next couple of weeks. Um, that's going to be tough. You know, Boston hasn't been exactly great this season, and they've kind of dealt with the same inconsistency issues as, as Miami. But still, winning games in Boston at that time of the year, you know, might be tough for the Heat. But I think the Knicks are really the vulnerable team here just because – Yeah, their schedule's really tough. Their schedule is brutal. They have a six-game West Coast trip coming up. Um, then after that, they face San Antonio, who's battling for playoff positioning. Charlotte, who's battling for playoff position, And Boston, at the end of the season, who I'm guessing that game will probably be important for Boston as well. So, um, they, you know, the, the Knicks really could – how many games have 10 games left? They could go 3-7 and seven, realistically. Like, it, yeah. and, and, you know, the Heat has a tiebreaker over them because they swept the yeah. Knicks. So they go 5-5, five and five, then the, the Knicks went 3-7, and 5-5 five and five would get you uh, – out of out of playing, yeah. yeah I, I think assuming if the, the assuming the Hornets or the Pacers don't like go crazy in the last couple of weeks here, right? And I think I think if the Heat goes six and four, that's kind of my mark for what the Heat have to do to to definitely avoid the play-in. I think they'll be good. They might even move up to the five seed at that point if they could get a win over the Celtics included in there. If they go six and four, um, I think they'll be in a good spot and not be in the play-in. So your uh, gun to your head, where do you think they finish? I think the most realistic outcome is they finish six. Yeah, I think that's right. Because I think I really think the Knicks are going to fall back here just because of the schedule. I think the Heat find a way to at least go five and five, six and four. Um, but I don't know if they can pass the Celtics just because of those two games in Boston. 
So mm-hmm. I, I'll say six. They pass the Knicks. Knicks fall to seven. Celtics finish fifth. Hawks finish fourth. And it's Heat Bucks in the first round, which will be, like you said, pretty interesting with a lot of storylines. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, like, this is going to sound really stupid. Obviously, the top priority is to get it to the 4-5. Like, that's obvious. Yeah. Um, then the number two matchup I think every Heat fan would want is that matchup against the Bucks. Like, it happens to be 3-6, but I think Heat fans, like, would be like, all right, give me that 7-2 if that was, like, what it, it came down to. But um, assuming the play-in, like, wasn't a factor. So, like, getting up to that 4-5 would obviously be huge. The Heat would probably be a pretty significant favorite against – any, I, I think the Hawks or the Knicks probably in that scenario. I don't know about the Celtics. Just you know, it's the Celtics. They get kind of get like, you know, they they get good odds and all that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, give me that give me that Bucks matchup. That'd be fun. Yeah, and I do think, and I know probably he friends don't. He take this. game one and Jimmy goes for like forty two. Like you don't think there's going to be some panicking in Milwaukee? Yeah. For sure, but I was going to say, I, I, I do think the, the Bucks are considerably better this season. Uh, yeah, I do too. Even though they're a team that I don't think the numbers bear that out at all, but just like having Drew Holiday there is a much bigger difference than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, and I feel like they, they've just been experimenting with things this season. Like, they haven't really cared. Like, last few years, they've, they've yeah, exactly. East and been clear, you know, the, the number one seed by far in the, in the Eastern Conference. That really hasn't been a priority this year, and I think that's probably a smart thing for them. Um, they've just kind of been experimenting with different things, which has not been Bud's strength, I think people would say, as just mm-hmm. kind of tinkering with different schemes. And they've done that this year. And they have another guy in Drew who's a really good two-way player who's going to help. And I, I was watching the part of the Bucks game yesterday or some of the highlights and Giannis working in the mid-post, um, you know, off yeah, the Yeah, they ball. got him playing like different spots on the court, which is smart. Yeah, that's very smart. And now they have Drew and Chris who can initiate offense. Like, they don't need Giannis just having the ball up top where defense could just pack the paint against them. So I do think the Bucks are a sneaky pick to come out of the East. I think they're a lot better than last season. Um, but that's not to say a, a series between the Heat and Bucks couldn't be interesting. Um, it could definitely be bring back some uh, flashbacks from last season for some of those Milwaukee players. Yeah, I'll say coming into the year, I was excited for the East race uh, because the Nets obviously getting healthy, um, and then the Bucks, and you know those were kind of thought to be two obvious ones. And then I I thought the the Celtics and the Heat were going to be fun. Uh, they have not been this year. Uh, the, the Sixers have helped make up for some of that, but it'll be really fun if it went from being a three team race, which I think it looks like now. Um, although maybe some people might say two team, but I think really a three team with those top three. Uh, if the Heat could uh, could get it together and, and make it interesting. Then I think yeah. the East, you know, the East has been pretty disappointing this year. I think I was pretty like bullish on like what the East would look like, like one through six, and, and you know I liked the Hawks actually coming in, and um, I liked the Wizards coming in with with Russ. Like there have been some teams that have taken some time to get on track. Uh, the East, but the the Heat, the Celtics, the Raptors, all. Uh, really falling off this year has, has made the East uh, as disappointing as, as ever as as, a, as East Coast basketball fans. I think we were both, I'm sure you were looking forward to the East uh, kind of rising to, to match the West a little bit, and uh, the exact opposite has happened this year. Yeah. Well, enough about the NBA and the Heat, though. Can we talk about the Panthers? Can you give me some uh, a few minutes on the Panthers? I know they clinched a playoff spot, which I feel like yeah, it's, is it's like the third time, time in my lifetime. 
Set the timer for one minute. Well, you've been alive for the entire existence of the Panthers, right? How many times have they made the playoffs? Uh, if you don't count last year, which I don't. Yeah, I don't. This is the sixth time. Okay. And what year oh. were they founded? Like, 95 or something like that? 94? Um, yeah, around there. I think it was around the Marlins. Around, um, the Marlins were founded in 93. I think it was right around there. Yeah, I want to say 94, like 94, 95 is maybe their first season. Um, yeah. I'll set the timer for one minute. You can make it two. I mean, it was a big day yesterday. I mean, you could you could go over the one minute. I'm not. Yeah, gonna... they're heading to the playoffs, as we said, for the sixth time in franchise history. Because I don't count last year. You should not either. They do not. Uh, based on everything they were talking about, they were saying uh, it's only the second time that Jonathan Huberdeau has been there, and it's it's nice. You know, it's this young group that they stuck with. Huberdeau, Barkov, obviously Ekblad is having a an all-star type season before, you know, he was in like the Norris Trophy conversation before he got hurt. Um, it's that, that group. It's those two guys. They were awesome last night. Huberdeau had five points, two goals. Barkov had two goals, including one incredible goal in the uh, second period to get them going. And then they turned to Spencer Knight in the third period, uh, rookie goalie who was playing for Boston College last month uh, and is now uh, winning playoff clinching games. Uh, he was a first-round pick a couple of years back. The NHL draft is weird. Uh, guys go to college after they get picked. Um, he's kind of – it was interesting because they drafted him with the 13th pick a couple of years back and then signed Bobrovsky like two weeks later. So it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but it was uh, fun to see him get in there. Chris Drieger's hurt, so maybe we'll see Spencer Knight a little bit more here down the stretch. Uh, but I'm all about Sam Bennett, their uh, midseason trade deadline acquisition. Uh, Bill Zito is an absolute magician. Um, Bennett was a fourth-round pick in Calgary a couple of years back. Never lived up to hype, the hype there. Has come here and now has 10 points in seven games. Uh, had three points last night. Um, he looks like, you know, the, this Panthers team was fun because is fun because they really they brought in Quenville, obviously, a couple of years ago. They look like a Joel Quenville team now. They brought in Bill Zito this offseason, and he basically, like, reshaped a third of the roster. And pretty much every guy he went and got in the offseason, they weren't necessarily, like, big all-star type names. Like, Anthony Duclair was, like, a one-time all-star. Patrick Hornquist is, like, a one-time all-star probably. Um, But those guys have all been awesome. Uh, They've been probably, you know, Quenville's going to probably win Coach of the Year. Zito's probably going to win GM of the Year. Like, that kind of tells the whole story of, like, the Cinderella seasons are fun. It's a little bit like the Heat last year, right? Yeah. And I, I had one follow-up for you. I know that NHL teams, right, are just basically you're facing teams in your division. Yeah. And that's it. Like, how do, how do you know this team is really good just because it hasn't faced well, really I think it's of the funny. Teams. So the way the playoffs work is you only play in your division until you get to the Final Four. So, like, let's, the Panthers are probably going to finish in the 2-3 against the uh, Lightning in some order. Mm-hmm. Play the Lightning in the first round. Then the second round, they would probably play the Hurricanes, who are probably going to be the one seed. And then if you get out of your division, you would play a Canadian team or an East Coast team or a, a West team. Um, I do think it's possible we get to the Final Four and, like, the Avalanche or the or Vegas, who have both, like, been awesome out on the West Coast, are just, like, way better than everyone and Toronto, who, like, is just beating up on a crappy Canadian division, like, gets swept as soon as they get through. Um, so it's possible, but it's not something we have to worry about for a while. I do think the there's the signs that the 
there's signs that Central is good beyond just like they have three teams that have a lot of points um, because the Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year, right? Like, and they have most of their yeah. guys. Back. Yeah, and Carolina seems to be good too. So I, yeah, I think, and they're like kind of a perennial playoff team. I think that dude, if there's a division, like if if I was like a a Maple Leafs fan, I would probably be worried about the question you were asking because right. those the, teams are those Canadian teams have histor- have not been good in recent years. Right. So the, the fact that the Panthers have been competitive with those two teams, yeah, kind of, is a good but in all likelihood, it's not even something we have to worry about because yeah, the Panthers just the odds are not that they're going to get out. You know, they're there's three, two other really good teams. You know, they easily could, but um, I don't know. That, that, that Hurricanes matchup is, is not great for them. Well, thank you for my thank you for Panthers talk. Yeah, there you I go. They deserve it. I think it was a Panthers two minutes today instead of a Panthers minute. It was like a power play, two-minute yeah. power play. We should exactly. call it the Panther power play. That's a good play. idea, the Panthers play. power play. <laughs> All right, uh, let's finish up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you working on anything right now? I like your Duncan story. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm working on a few things, but, you know, for the most part, it's really just every game counts so okay. much. So yep. the focus is just on the playoff race and, and kind of staying on top of that just because the difference between making a play-in and facing either Brooklyn or Philly in the first round and maybe possibly getting into that five seed and facing, like, Atlanta or New York in the first round, that's a pretty big difference. So – um, these next two weeks are going to probably shape how we view this heat season because if they finish in the play-in, it's going to obviously be a disappointment. If they can finish in the fifth seed and win a round, um, then all of a sudden, not as big of a disappointment as we probably think right now. Who is the uh, the other play-in team that gets you most nervous? And we'll count Chicago because they're a game out of the play-in right now. Washington. Washington more than Charlotte. To me, those are like the clear two. I, I think Washington, just because of Beal and Rustbrook in a one-game sample, yeah. like that's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that he. I would. I'm pretty confident the Heat are better than the Wizards, but yes, like if they played a seven-game series, there's yeah. no way the Heat would lose to the Wizards. But in a one-game, yeah, yeah, that's that's scary if you're the Heat. I mean, Beal's. I guess that's the difference. Charlotte, I feel like could beat the Heat in a uh, seven-game series. The Wizards could not, but. The one game they could just you know, go off. Yeah, exactly. And and they've been really good. Like yeah, they've been awesome lately. Their defense has actually been good, um, which has been kind of surprising with how they started the season. So yeah, I think Washington. Honestly, Washington to me is the one team that really scares me if I'm the Heat in that playoff playing situation. I know Charlotte's had success against Miami this year, but something tells me that the Heat got into a play-in against Charlotte and they hosted you know that first game. I think they can figure it out and win. All right, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, if you are interested in more Panthers talk, uh, you can follow me there. Uh, They've got five games left in the regular season. Uh, we also got the NFL draft this week. I wrote a story about uh, Tutu Atwell, Miami Northwestern legend, uh, five, who was a 5'8 quarterback and is now going to probably go in like the second round of the draft this week as a wide receiver out of Louisville. Cool story there. So uh, check that out at MiamiHerald.com. Um, Other than that, though, uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.